You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to Tuesday's edition of the programme, texts and uh, WhatsApps always welcomed to 086 to 103, 103 and going through the papers today and actually I think it's the photos on the front page of uh, a lot of the newspapers today. So you know when you, when you see a photograph and it kind of stops you and the photograph itself tells a story and to me this has got to be the, the face of humanity at its uh, very best and it's the picture that was taken at the Rafa crossing yesterday and it's, I, I don't know how many, how many is there, is there 30, 40 paramedics and paediatricians all lined up waiting with with incubators all standing outside rows of ambulances with the back doors uh, opened and it's the Egyptian doctors uh, waiting for the Prem babies to arrive from Palestine. These were the ones that were evacuated uh, yesterday and these are all lined up on the Egyptian side of the Rafa boarding cross, uh, crossing with the Gaza Strip and I just there's so many horror stories coming out of Gaza and I know and I've said it many times on the programme, I find it hard to watch the news at night when it comes to the section on uh, Gaza, but we can't, we certainly can't close our minds or our hearts to the horror that is unfolding there. And then you see a photograph like this and it kind of just gives you a little bit of hope for all of those babies that managed to get out yesterday. And please God, uh, all of them will survive them. I mean, talking of, we, we cling on desperately for any kind of good news to come out of uh, Gaza. And this morning, Hamas are saying that they are near a truce agreement with uh, is Israel. Now, I know this truce agreement is only going to last for a few days but it will mean that very vital aid can get into Gaza and at the same time there is the hope for the exchange of Israeli hostages held by Hamas for Palestinian prison prisoners held in Israel and everybody here in Ireland hoping for little Emily Hand whose ninth birthday was uh, last week and her poor father it would just uh, break your heart to see him uh, talk about his uh, little girl and of course he doesn't even know for sure if she is one of the hostages uh, or not. Anyway, just little glimmers of hope and as I say, if you see the papers today, you'll see that front page picture of those Egyptian medics all lining up with their in- incubators waiting for those little prem babies uh, to arrive. The, for me, the real face of humanity. 0818103103 John Paul uh, taking your calls. Papers today picking up that we need stricter policing for the illegal sulky races that are going on all over the country. And God knows we know the sulky races are going on here in Cork. And animal rights activists are now coming out and saying that something needs to be done. There needs to be stricter policing and they're fearful that somebody is actually going to be killed unless urgent action is taken. I don't know if you saw in recent weeks, I saw some again just over the weekend videos. Of course, they circulate very quickly on social media of these sulky races they're horse-drawn carts but they're racing down motorways and major national roads and they're doing it not while the road is closed they're doing it while you know traffic is trying to go about its business and people are trying to live their lives and end up having to pull over to avoid head-on collisions so Dog Advocacy Ireland 
and John O'Callaghan is with them. He said that these frequent races are now a risk to both human and animal welfare. He said three or four of these are happening every weekend on major public roads all over the country. He's already saying that it is a miracle nobody's been killed yet. He says the risk to road users is enormous. And I don't know if you've ever been driving and you come across, you know, you'll see in the distance something going on and then as you're, you're driving along and they're getting closer, you realise it's, it's a sulky race. It really is uh, frightening uh, to witness it because it is this speed. And at the end of the day, it's a horse and you never know what way the horse is uh, going to uh, react. Anyway, according to Dog Advocacy Ireland, the races are actually advertised on Facebook beforehand. So they're saying if they're that advertised so easily on Facebook... There's no reason why they can't be policed uh, properly. Now, videos have shown three or four vehicles abreast coming down major roadways with the races causing traffic chaos. They force other road users to pull either into the hard shoulder or off the road. You have to do that in order to avoid crashing into them. Sulky supporters then, you'll see them behind the horses and the carts and they're hanging out of windows of moving vehicles driving at very, very fast speed. Now, the races on tarmac roads are also, it seems, damaging to horses, especially if it's younger horses that are used and seemingly often it is younger horses that are used for these races. Now, just last Sunday morning, the video that I saw circulating over the weekend was chaotic scenes. It was a sulky race on the M3. The M3 is in Meath. Now, Gardy did attend the scene and said that the individuals that were involved dispersed. So do I take it from that, that they weren't able to catch any of them? Now, they say inquiries are ongoing and they are currently investigating the incidents. And then the Sunday before, that was the 12th of November, we had one much closer to home. It was an illegal sulky race. It was filmed on the N20, the Limerick to Cork dual carriageway. It was near Croom in County Limerick races, uh, race and supporters simply took over the major road on that Sunday morning. Now, Martina Kenny is with that great charity, My Lovely Horse. They're the animal rescue uh, group who work flat out looking after horses. She said her team has rescued injured horses who were simply abandoned at the side of the road after they were used in one of these sulky races. Horses and ponies are started in sulky racing very young, she said. And because the horse is still growing until they're at least five, racing them on very hard ground when they are young, it causes long-term damage to their growing limbs. And now usually, she says, they're about two or three when you will see them out pounding really fast on very hard ground. Now, in their own charity, My Lovely Horse. She said they have a few ex-sulkies. One, she said, was only six months old when he was lucky enough to come into come into their uh, care. He'd been used as a sulky, but because he was used so young, he said her, that, that horse's legs were, were and are destroyed forever. She says, we have many horses that have been on traps or sulkies that have been racing and their legs broken and they still continue uh, to race and she said she's had some that they've come across that have simply died from the exhaustion of it all she says it's sad but she said it's going on constantly and we certainly have been talking about it for many years I don't know no, I don't know when it all started or when it got to the stage it's at now where it attracts huge crowds and um, you know four abreast in cars 
and then the cars following and people hanging out of the cars. I mean, it simply needs to end. I do think that dog advocacy charity is right. It is a miracle that nobody has been killed. So the obvious one is, do we need, as, as has been called for, do we need more Garda enforcement? I mean, if it's as openly advertised as some of those animal welfare charities are saying, if it's up on Facebook, giving you the date and the time when the sulky race is going to happen, then surely the Garda can get there an hour before the race is due to begin and actually stop it. I mean, would that be one way of trying to stop it? It certainly would be one way to stopping large numbers gathering to watch the race because it's the people watching and following the sulky race that really can be causing huge traffic problems and could ultimately lead to somebody being killed. Your thoughts welcomed on sulky racing. Will we ever see it end? And and how do we see it end? And is there another way around? I mean, if it is, I know you'll have people saying this is a part of tradition for people who like to do sulky racing. Many people in the travelling community see it as part of their tradition. Is there a way of doing it in tracks, you know, where we can do it safely, safely both for the the, the people who are driving the sulky cart and also for the horse as well. Remember, we have to remember there's an animal rights uh, issue going on here as well. On the uh, sulky uh, racing, uh, Maura says, uh, Patricia, um, I actually can't say what you are threatening, uh, what you would like to see done to people who are involved with the sulky racing, Amora, unfortunately. Um, but Amora does feel that the horses need to be uh, saved. She also suggests the people involved have plenty of money. They should be able to build their own uh, track. John from Charleville says, listening to you there, Trish, talking about the sulky racing that happened in Croom the weekend before last. John and Charleville said, I actually came across it. I witnessed kids driving jeeps. Some even had slash hooks in their hands, waving them out the window. It was a very threatening to uh, witnesses, John, from uh, Charleville. And Martin says, Patricia, they need to ban all sulky racing. It is inhumane to horses and it's also dangerous to human beings also. But we all know the ones who run and set up these sulky races, they do not seem to fear the law uh, at all. You can see sulkies on the Pike Road in Formoy, says Martin, which is a very, very busy road. OK, some of your thoughts on what's now being called for a crackdown on sulky racing and the need for stricter policing of what are illegal races on our roads. 0818 103 103. Your thoughts are welcomed, please. And a reminder to you that all of us here at C103, we're looking forward to our Christmas Jumper Day. It is happening this coming Friday and we're doing it, of course, in aid of Cork uh, Simon. We're teaming up with Cork Simon, asking people to please see if you can organise a Christmas Jumper Day. You can do it at home, you can do it in your workplace, you can do it in your school, you can do it absolutely uh, anywhere and signing up uh, is as easy as ever. You simply go to corksimon.ie and then go and organise on whatever day of the week that you want to organise your Christmas jumper day and at the same time of course you'll be helping to raise vital funds for Cork Simon who are working with homeless people again this Christmas and uh, proud here at C103 to be associated with Cork uh, Simon. Let's stay on the subject of Christmas. Switching on of Christmas lights is about to happen and I've been notified from Mallow that there is a change this year for the switching on of the annual Christmas lights. The actual official switch on will happen outside St Mary's Church in Mallow. It's happening this Friday. Activities will start at four in the afternoon. There'll be Christmas characters on the 
the street. There'll be choirs. Uh, if you've got little ones, you can bring them into the Mallow Library between four and five. There'll be storytelling in advance of the official switch on. And then the main switch on will happen at six o'clock outside St Mary's Church in Mallow this uh, Friday and Christmas is looking a bit different in Clonakilty this year because they've had the purchase of brand new lights for the town. Now for decades as was the case in a lot of other towns it was Cork County Council who were responsible for the lights but in recent years that arrangement of course uh, ceased for so many towns and rather than let the beautiful town of Clonakilty go without lights the local community got uh, together and they are they fundraised and €12,000 um, was uh, was was raised from businesses and there was also contributions from the the council and uh, the uh, chamber of uh, commerce. Anyway, they've sorted out the cost of the Christmas lights. And the official turning on of lights for Clonakilty is Sunday, November the twenty sixth. So that's next Sunday. It will start with the Clonakilty brass band at four in the afternoon, followed by the arrival of Santa Claus and the fantastic Kilmean Elf parade uh, will make their way through the town at half past five to officially turn on the lights in Clonakilty. So Mallow on Saturday at uh, six and Clonakilty on Sunday at half past five for the official switching on of the Christmas lights. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie today on C103. With the announcement yesterday that the Midlands North West constituency in next June's European Parliament elections will increase by one seat. So there'll be a new face there. That brings Ireland's MEP total to 14. We also know that Ireland South will have at least one new face with the announcement that Fine Gael's Deirdre Clune will not be seeking a nomination for next year's election to discuss why and more. Deirdre Clune uh, joins me. Good morning to you Deirdre. Hi, good morning, Patricia. You're welcome. Now, was it a difficult or an easy decision to to decide to step away from public life? Oh, it was uh, difficult, I would say, um, because uh, it wasn't easy. I wrestled with it for a while. But I've been uh, an elected representative in some shape or form. Uh, but next, next June, when I step down, I've been 27 years there across different fora, 10 years in the European Parliament. So uh, for me personally, at this stage in my life, in my career, it is the right thing and I'm happy with that. But it's never easy um, to let go. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Because it's, it's been, easy. as you yeah. say, it's been a part of your life for so long and, and, and you're one of the few who has, you know, seen it all. You've been a councillor, you were a TD, you were a senator. And then, as you say, for the last 10 years, uh, an MEP. Were all four roles very different or do they all have similarities? They're all very different, of course, in terms of what you're actually your day to day work. But the similarities are the same in that it's all um, it's about trying to get decisions and putting the question at the end of the day and voting yes or no on issues. Um, so they were very uh, similar from that point of view. And I was always a member of, of Fine Gael and working with the Fine Gael team. So I found the collegiality in terms of your your party colleagues and indeed uh, cross party as well. I found that um very reassuring. And it was the same in all in all four, actually. And lots of communication across the political divide. That's important. But at the end of the day, you have your own uh, mandate from the electorate and you follow through on that. I would say if when I come to the European Parliament, it's more um, consensus orientated and that there is no, you know, um, there is no government in place as the parliament has to come to its position. Uh, so we have to consent and talk with other political groupings 
much more so than you did in in in, in my um, other four in the Dáil or Senate or even in, indeed in the council. Does that work so, better to get things done? It works better. I think in the end of the day, you have um, solutions that work. Yeah, you do. I mean, you can always put. You can always use your. If you have a majority, you can put the question. But if if you don't have if you don't have a strong majority, you need to bring people with you. Yeah, and that's important to get an acceptance. That's important. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that that would be what I would say are the differences, the consensus that you do have in Europe. And um, uh, the problem with Europe is it's so far it's so far removed from. Where I live, where we, where we all in, in Ireland, uh, that it, it sometimes doesn't get. I think it's attention, not that it deserves, but 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 you know, from from to raise the awareness in the eyes of the electorate, I think it's 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 important because lots of um, the decisions that we take here on a monthly basis in Strasbourg have a direct effect. Like to this week, we're looking at pesticide regulation, carbon renewal, setting standards for trucks and cars for, to to address climate change. You know, the standards are set here, and then it has to. To follow through so big big decisions are taken lots of them and sometimes people you, you find that people would wake up or they would say what this happened and i didn't know about it but yeah it was because the decision was made was was made in europe yeah. and of course your political mm-hmm. heritage is the barry family your your dad mm-hmm. peter your grandfather anthony both T- tds was there always a sense or did you always have a sense that you would one day go into politics that that would be the road you would take at some point no, I didn't. I was the eldest of six at home. So I did grow up in a very busy, busy house. As I said, my father was full-time in politics in busy times, um, the 70s and 80s minister. So there was a lot going on at that time. Uh, I didn't, but I, I, I was always, I, I found in my adult life, I became very involved in my local community, citizens association, or, you know, residents associations, community issues in my school with my children. And then I was involved in the party itself, the Fine Gael party as a, as a member, as a, you know, going through, uh, you know, active constituencies as elections and draws and fundraising, all that goes with it. And, and um, I'd always done that all my life. And it was only when, when my father did retire, from, announced he was retiring, he didn't stand in 97, that um, the party spoke to me. And I kind of was surprised I hadn't seen myself in that light. I had, I think I had four children. I know I had four children at that time. <laughs> I think maybe I was pregnant one, but anyway, there was that time. But I did, um, I, I did consider, and I felt it was an opportunity for me, and that I would never, I didn't want to have any regrets, and later that I should have taken that opportunity. And I decided, I, yes, I would stand, even though the name I didn't use the name. I was married at that time, with, yeah. as I say, with four children. I didn't use the name. Some people would and get sometimes would say, "Oh, you should have done that. It stood against you." But I was determined to do my own thing and make my own name for myself. And um, I think I was very happy with that decision. Uh, that I didn't even use. I had never. I had been dear to Clune. I was married quite young, and then we went to England for a while. So I had used the name dear to Clune for a long time, and I stuck with it. And you, and, but you, um, you couldn't have known that here you'd be twenty-seven years later. Still couldn't doing it. have known. Yeah. Yeah. But I do know in politics that if you want to contribute um, in every opportunity, you, you don't say no to an opportunity and you try to make the best of it. And I did that time with my name forward in Cork South Central and was elected to the Zoll. So and then subsequently I was elected to city council. But, you know, it's it's um, it's been it's been really, really rewarding. I hope I've made uh, some difference. I think every time I stand um, to vote, I'm going to the European Parliament here now in Strasbourg. We're going to be voting on a, a range of issues today, tomorrow and Thursday, as we do every month. 
and that I hope I made the decisions when I press a button, yes or no, or maybe or maybe an abstention that I do it in the best interest of those I represent. I'm a public representative, number one, I represent the people, and I always try to do my best. Now, obviously, we fall short, and we will do always. We're only all human, but um, I think it's um, it's been hugely satisfying for me, and I hope I've played some part in improving things. Well done, well done. And but politics is. And can be tough on on families. I mean, as you say, you grew mm. up with it, and then your children, your four boys, would also have mm. have, have witnessed it. it. It can be tough on the family, can't it? I mean, they didn't sign up for it. No, they didn't sign up for it. But I no, absolutely, uh, it can be tough. I mean, it's tough the fact that you're not there a lot of the time, and then you need a very um, supportive partner at home, which I did have. Um, and I think probably my mother would have had to out too at the time because mm-hmm. she knew. Uh, what it involved but yeah you do and, and then there are tough times like I did lose a general election and that's that's really hard on the family and particularly when the children were relatively young teenagers some of them even primary school so that's that 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 was hard I think very hard and then more so than I realized until afterwards because in politics yourself you're, you're you're standing for election so I always say you have um, two speeches going into account number one thank you for electing me and number two the other speech would be very sorry, I didn't get elected, but I'll be back next time. I know. You know so is that is, you have to and be, is so that, you're tougher? You're yeah. probably tougher as a politician than than your children would be. But is that hard to bounce back? Because it's such a rejection, isn't it? It's 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 not hard to bounce back. I mean, I didn't find it hard to bounce back. I still was a member of the city council. And the next next Monday, I was I was eliminated. Accountant Saturday, Monday afternoon, I was inside my meeting, put forward <laughs> motions, whatever I had to do. You have to bounce back and that was my opportunity to to continue to do what I what I wanted to do and what 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 I was elected to do so um you know you have party structures that you get involved in if if you want to just to put yourself forward again which I did I felt that I had um I had more to give and you did uh, you, you, and you start, did, yeah. any of the boys interested no they were, but no I don't think so they're very no. very political and very interested and you know it's it's in your somebody said you know I mean I have been described I suppose as being a member of a political dynasty but I, I don't I mean what does that mean it means that I grew up with it it's in my DNA politics I understand it um, I know it I you know it's part of my life and I think the same is said for said for them but it's different times with um, both partners working if they have that and um but still, you'd never know. You'd never say never. But yeah. um, at the moment, and, you know, and, all and busy with their own lives. What would you say to encourage women, more women, to get involved in, in, in politics? Because unfortunately, we seem to be seeing a lot of women. Now, you're, you're leaving because obviously you've been doing it, as you say, for, for, for 27 years. But we're seeing younger women leaving and just saying, can't do this, can't get the blend of the home life balance uh, right. Does does something need to change? Because it's good for democracy. It's good for our parliaments to have women as well as men involved. It's it's very, very good for democracy to have women. I think that like not because they have something better to say, but they have something to say and that mix should be there. Um, I would I would really encourage people or anyone who's interested in standing for politics to look at local elections coming up next year. It's really hugely satisfying to represent your community. If you are represented there to understand what's going on in your community, to be that voice in your local your local authority, really important. And I think the political parties as well need to be, do more, which we are doing in Fine Gael and, and the others are as well in mentoring and supporting women um, because like there is a, a confidence issue for women. We've heard from talking to them, the candidates that, that they, you know, they don't have um, to feel that they couldn't say that or they, sh- you know, they step back from it or pull back from it. Whereas 
there isn't that with men, but we need to give them encouragement and support. And um, it's in, it's in all our interest to have women um, elected, both male and female, to have women 100%. representing us. Hundred percent. So what's what's ne- what next? What's the future for Deirdre Clune? The future for me is working hard now um, for the next six months because I'm very busy in the parliament. We have lots of files. I'm leading a lots of files, artificial intelligence, customs union, uh, wastewater treatment. So all the areas I'm, I'm interested in um, and who knows what's next. I'd still be very involved in the party, contributing and election and making sure that we have um, candidates, supporting those candidates when and where I can and contributing as a member to policy formation and make, making, which we, we can do, which all political parties do. Members are the lifeblood of any party. So I'm going back. I started out as an activist and I'm going back to that. OK. All right. Listen, it's um, no doubt we will speak again uh, oh, yeah. between now and then. But in the meantime, Deirdre, thank you. And and also, thank you. You've always been available uh, to us whenever we've uh, reached out to get you to comment on anything. And, and we really do appreciate that. Um, so continue. Good luck to you. And thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is MEP for the South and she still is MEP for the South. Uh, Deirdre Clune with the announcement that she won't be seeking a nomination for next year's uh, European elections. According to the Echo newspaper, almost 42,000 parking fines were issued by Cork City Council in the first 10 months of this year, along with a little over 500 litter fines. One former Lord Mayor feels there should be even more enforcement powers and Independent Councillor McFinn joins me to explain more. Good morning to you, Mick. Good morning, Patricia. Now, people who've been issued with parking fines will not be happy to hear you say uh, this, but uh, but talk talk about the current levels of parking fines. Are they helping to stop illegal parking? Well, look, I suppose as somebody who, to be honest, has been caught with parking fines before, which was my own fault because I just didn't have a, a discard display up or I hadn't paid by Park by Magic, which is, which is a mechanism here in the city. Look, you know, it didn't, it didn't surprise me that that figure, we you know, was high, but I think it could be higher, to be quite honest. Um, and I mean, like, people do take a chance and they do go in and park. And, you know, the, what you must remember as well is that this is, is, you know, in the wider city as well, in areas where there's this parking for residents, stuff like that. So where I'm living, for example, is just, you know, five minutes from the city centre. Uh, and we have, I have a residence permit that I pay for every year. But a lot of people just come in and park the car in the hope that they'll run in, run out of town. And they're, you know, they're taking up residence spaces. They don't pay for their parking, which is obviously a source of revenue for the council. But I suppose the balance here, Patricia, always is a kind of a parking regime that, you know, where people can, you know, get um, decent parking near close to the city centre and then not not discouraging people from coming to the city centre yeah, as well. I mean, but I think, yeah, lane there. yeah, I think that's the big one. And that's the big fear when we talk about, you know, a high, what seems like a high number of parking tickets. You've got people saying, oh, I won't go near the city. Sure, if I do, I'll, I'll get nabbed and I'll have a parking fine on top of everything else. And that's what you don't want to do. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, look, I suppose when you think of the city, no. I mean, it's not just the city centre we're talking about here. We're talking about Douglas and Rochestone and Ballancolic as well, which is no part of Cork City. So, like, those fines have probably gone up because the city has been extended. Yeah, it's a bigger area. That's a good point. It's a bigger area, yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. look, this is a constant battle that we as councillors have been having with, 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 with management as council about striking that balance. I mean, you know, like, hopefully that there'll be incentives for Christmas parking in around the city that, you know, there's reduced parking, pay for an hour, get an hour free. That's usually introduced at kind of Christmas time to incentivise people coming. But it's a big issue and look, we've heard the arguments about, you know, your peripheral shopping centres on the outside of the cities and in areas where they go and park for free for the whole day 
and you know, or for a couple of hours while they're shopping, and and it's more it's more attractive to go to those places. And I suppose that's the constant battle between the city centre and and all that it offers, and all those areas as well. Yeah, and then litter fines. You know, I feel we we all will agree and and welcome uh, litter fines. Do you know what kind of litter fines were issued? I mean, are we talking about fly tipping and, you know, when beautiful scenic areas are getting and parks are getting destroyed? What, what was the breakdown on the litter fines? Yeah, in, in terms of the fines, in most cases, it's people dumping bags, yeah. um, you know, just anywhere. They could they could drive for, for 10 minutes or 20 minutes away from their own place, drop their bag, and then it's the council investigating that and actually, um, you know, being able to go through the, the, the litter find find you know things that that link it to the person who has done it so i mean there's a variety of those i know there was a couple of business finds as well where people maybe let out their rubbish um you know too long or, or presented it too early uh, like we we can constantly get calls as counselors from people living in areas i got one yesterday now for an area near the lock where there was extensive dumping um and and the council will have to clear it up and you know the hope is that they'll find something there that they can track it back to the person who was actually no, done the dumping. And then find them. I mean, do, do you feel our whole attitude to litter needs uh, to change? I mean, there there are some people out there who believe oh, somebody else will pick it up, somebody else will, will clean it up. And, and, you know, we all suffer when people decide to irresponsibly dump. 100%. And when you think of all the fantastic work that's been done by the Tidy Town teams in, you know, all over the city, all over the county, and they're giving up their free time on Saturdays and during the week to pick up litter. And then you have these people just, just, just you know, that's not my job, someone will pick it up. I, I actually remember being in school one time in a school and we were talking about litter now and the need for to keep the city clean and the county clean. And uh, a young person came back to me and said, and this was the attitude that they had in the, in the household, sure, if I, if I don't put that litter down the ground, that person won't have a job. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, so trying to actually get past that kind of mentality. And in the Echo article last night, I mentioned I was in New York last year or the year before, and I, rem- I distinctly remember walking up the, up the footpath uh, and somebody dropped litter on the ground and everybody around that person turned around and told them to pick it up. Well done. Whereas that, that well would done. never happen here. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think it's our overall attitude to littering, you know, and you know that extends into maybe, uh, you know, seats in public places and people ask, why aren't there more bins? But if there are more bins, people will come in and dump Use them for dumping, rubbish. yeah. And then you know, we've so. got the wonderful volunteers in all of the various Tidy Towns uh, groups who go out and clean up after those irresponsible people. They, they do that. I mean, I, there was something I was reading lately about one area where they cleaned the whole place over the whole weekend and they arrived on the Monday and like, there's a mattress and something dumped ah, in the area that they had ha- cleaned. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's and then desperate. I saw on the examiner today information uh, obtained showed that there was no fines issued for dog fouling offences yeah. in uh, yeah. Cork City. Have you all very responsible pet owners? They're all cleaning up <laughs> after their dogs. No, no, you haven't actually. And again, in areas where I'm living, which are near parks and stuff, you know, you have people doing doing circuits and routes of the park. Um, and it's a huge problem all over, I say the city and county again, but particularly the city. And like we, we have a situation where there's one... Um, resident near a park in the city and people actually just dump their uh, dog falling bags into his garden. Um, so like that's a huge wow. problem and I suppose one of the things that I mentioned and, and kind of have put out there and maybe put, flown a bit of a kite in terms of the number of we'll say um, wardens that we have in the city who are maybe specifically for litter, specifically for parking and I'm just wondering is it possible to have a kind of a city warden role where they could actually be do multiple jobs. Now I know there obviously be union issues and demarcation issues, 
But wouldn't it be great if we had, you know, your your traffic wardens, your litter wardens, they were kind of a different name, they were titled differently, but that they could be wardens for the city and could catch people on dog fouling, on litter and on parking. And that, that would be across multiple, a multiple role across their kind of portfolio. Yeah, because um, unfortunately we need, we need, everyone says it, we need uh, more in enforcements. Enforcement, you know, yeah. I, and I know there is, and I can see a couple of texts coming in, Sharon, and finds a great source of, of income for the local yeah. council. But, yeah. but I, make, I take it you would prefer to see a day when we'd never need to issue a fine. Well, again, and I, I actually said that in the newspaper article as well, is that, you know, I'd much prefer to have an accessible city and a, and a cleaner city then earning, you know, millions or hundreds of thousands from fines. I mean, that's that's the optimum. Now, if you know, there's a will when when something like that happens. I mean, previously, you know, your local government fund was the source of your main budgetary income, and that has diminished over time. And you find a way, you know, to kind of change that. Obviously, the property that came in, but. You know, if, if, for example, your parking fines and your litter fines were gone in the morning, there, there has to be alternative sources of income. Um, so, like, again, there's a balance there. But I'd much rather a cleaner city, you know, that you didn't have dumping. We have tourists coming in and you're seeing all this kind of dumping and graffiti. Um, I'd much rather it been a cleaner yeah. city, you know, uh, being an acceptable yeah, city. I, I think a lot of people would agree with you. Dan says, could, could you ask Mick, where do you park if you're trying, to, if you have an appointment at the Mercy Hospital without the risk of being clamped? Yeah, no, the clamping regime, again, we like that's one of the things I suppose, that we changed in actually in the previous term of council, that unless you're parking on a double yellow line or we say no on an ambulance bay in that case, um, you can't be clamped. So that that doesn't happen really anymore unless you're in a, 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 an area, um, you know, that you're, you obviously can't stay parking in front of, a, of an access point in the hospital. But that, the mercy, I suppose, is, is an interesting one because it's in, a, in an old area of the city there's very little parking around yeah. and my recommendation there would be if you're waiting for a half an hour or an hour that you go to Norman Street Shopping Centre I mean that's the, the cheapest shopping centre or the cheapest uh, parking in the city I think it's about 2.30 an hour uh, no I know that's not ideal but the Mercy Hospital where it's situated right in the heart of the city is a difficult one um, because we have residents living in around there too it's because of the location yeah, it's be, it's yeah. because it's okay. And very finally, Lorraine in Black Rock uh, wants to know why there's no official switching on of the Christmas lights this year in the city. Lorraine yeah. always loved to bring her children into the city. Yeah, look, that was a kind of a controversial one. And I suppose the year I was Lord Mayor was the second last year that we had it before COVID. Myself and John Sheehan turned on the lights and there were huge crowds there in, was. The, in the city centre. And I suppose what we were told as councillors, we all wanted it to happen this year. It didn't happen last year. Um, and what we're told by the people who organise these events is that St. Patrick's Day Parade costs in the region of 300000 to run, OK? Yeah. But the parade is spread out over Patrick Street, over the Grand Parade, over the South Mall. So your crowd is spread out over that whole um, area. Yeah. yeah. The issue with the, the one in, in the city centre was that there were so many people coming into Patrick Street that it was actually causing a health and safety issue. Now, I still think there are ways around it. And even though I'll be gone off the council next year, I'll be kind of saying, look, plan it out early. It has to be a Christmas Day parade in a similar way to, to Patrick's Day. We should maybe look at that. But that was the reason, because I do recall my year in, in, in December 2018, like there, there must have been 50 or 60 I was there. I, I was there, and I remember feeling very uncomfortable with the crowds. Correct, it, and that's it, the it reason was, behind it. I mean, it's not as if the city council, the, the officials or the, or the council don't want that Christmas turn on, but it's just, how do we do it? 
you know, in a, at a reasonable cost, I suppose, like, you know, can you, would you spend 300000 on it to get people in? Maybe you would. But then how do you manage it in a particular, one particular location? Yeah, you're that's, just, that's you're a victim of your own success, unfortunately. Correct. That's, that's what Correct. it goes back it, to. I miss it because it was a great night. Yeah. I, you know, I went in there every other year as well and it's a great occasion and it signals the start of Christmas. So I think we, re- we need to look at it seriously again for next year about how we could actually do it and accommodate, you know, what would be maybe a crowd of 50 or 60,000. Okay, we'll talk again, Mick, in the meantime. Thank you for that and thanks for joining no us. Good morning. Uh-huh. Water outages uh, this morning. Joan in from Oywoke, no water. Same for Jerry and Castle Lines, and then a different Joan this time west of the county in Bandonwoke to no water today. So we got on to Ishka Aaron to say what's going on, folks. Okay, essential maintenance work is affecting supply to Forest Glen, Barry's Court, Barry's Boreen. Corrin, Dunteheen Road and Formoy and surrounding areas. That's until three this afternoon. So for, more, so that for Joan and Formoy, that's the reason they are doing essential maintenance work. It'll be back by uh, three. There's repairs to a burst water main and that is affecting supplies to Rathcormac, Castle Lines and surrounding areas until four. So that's for Jerry. And then for people in Bandon, including Joan, who contacted us, there is mains repair work going on by Ishka Aaron and that's causing supply disruption to Bridge Street, Bridge Lane, Pier Street. They're all in Bandon and that will be um, from two today, even though uh, Joan has already affected so maybe they've got to work early on uh, that. Okay, so that's some water outages going on at the moment. Glad to give you the update on that. Now, we were talking about littering with Councillor McFinn in the last hour. How would you feel if this happened to you? Because we were talking about the fines, you know, the fines people got for parking and very frustrating to pick up a parking fine. But if you are illegally parked, you will get caught. But the litter ones, I think everyone is kind of saying, yeah, if somebody is illegally dumping litter and they get caught, they should be fined. People would say throw the book and all at them. How would you feel, though, about this story? John in Lambertstown was on to us and it happened to a friend of his who went to the recycling centre in Blarney and he had a bag of bottles that he needed to bring to the bring centre so along along he went and when he went all the bottle banks were all full so he placed his bag with all of his bottles in it he placed it next to the bottle bank and off he went about his merry way a week later, a fine arrived in the post for John's friend for 125 uh, euro. He was very, his friend was very annoyed about it because he felt he was doing the right thing by leaving the bag next to the bottle bank because the bottle bank was full. And obviously there's CCTV on it. So the camera picked him up and was able to, his car registration number obviously was picked up as well. So they were able to uh, track him down. It wasn't as if he was dumping litter on the ground and the same guy, according to to John in Lambertstown would never ever throw litter on the ground. He was collecting all the bottles. He wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to have them uh, recycled but John feels when some, something like this happens it certainly won't encourage other people to recycle and he's wondering how many more, more people have been caught this way, way. Well I've certainly in the past spoken to people who've been caught in exactly what you have outlined. I remember talking with the gentleman who had a box of bottles and he went to great lengths to make sure that he slipped them in beside the bottle bank he thought he was doing the right thing but the council have told us over and over again if you go to a bring centre if you go to a bottle bank or any kind of a recycling facility and if you get there and it's full they are saying to people you need to bring your bag of bottles your box of cardboard whatever it is you need to bring it home
own I need to go in search of another bring site that might be able to take it but we've been told countless times that if you leave it as John's friend did left the bag of bottles beside the bring centre thinking that when they come to empty it they'll simply pick up his bag and toss the bottles in he thought he was doing the right thing Uh, you have been warned countless times before don't do it and it's really unfortunate to be and to be fined 125 euro that's a hefty fine which is very different to somebody who deliberately goes out and does fly at tipping it can be quite galling to somebody who thought he was doing the right thing. The only thing is, John, he'll never do it again, that is uh, for sure. 0818103103. Is it unfair what happened to uh, John's uh, friend? Uh, do we all have to do? The responsible thing is, as annoying as it is, you bring the bottles back home with you, either go back again or try to find an alternative bottle bank. Your thoughts are welcomed on that. We mentioned sulky racing in the last hour uh, because there is a call to clamp down on sulky racing before somebody gets killed uh, because of the speed of some of the cars that are following these sulky races and they're hanging out car uh, windows uh, etc. But also it's a danger to other road uh, users and not forgetting about the animal welfare issue actually we've a lot of animal lovers listening to this programme because the amount of commentary coming in much of which I can't put to air I know the sentiment behind it people are really thinking about the animals um, but you also have to remember human life is at risk here as well Dennis and Castle Magner uh, feels as other people have said they should build a track for these sulky racing so that the races could go on and could officially go on. Dennis would suggest that it would be built in either Cork or Limerick because he reckons the majority of the sulky racing takes place in Cork and Limerick even though the case I was talking about at the weekend was in County Meath. But anyway, Dennis reckons the majority of it happens here in Cork and in uh, Limerick. Dennis says it also seems to appear that the Gardaí are obsessed with enforcing the law and law-abiding citizens but they don't tackle those that are involved in things like sulky racing and a lot of those are trouble makers and maybe the Gardaí don't want to bring trouble onto themselves. Well I know the case that I mentioned in the one in Meath that caused chaotic scenes last Sunday. The Gardaí did attend the scene but they said when they got there those that were involved had dispersed and there are now inquiries are ongoing and they're currently investigating the incident so they legged it. They were all literally gone by the time the Gardaí uh, got there but you know as people are pointing out it's advertised on social media particularly on Facebook so if the Gardaí can start monitoring these sites and when they know that an event is going to happen and Sunday morning seems to be the most uh, popular time for them so people are saying you know when you know it's going to happen get there an hour beforehand and stop it close off the road do whatever you need to do but stop the actual race taking place 0818103103 I was speaking about the Christmas lights we spoke about the fact that Cork City have become a victim of its own success too many people turning up for the switching on of the lights and there's a, a safety and a cost issue when a huge number of people turn up and sadly because of that there's no official switching on the lights just go on there's not that official great atmosphere that's always in the city but I mentioned it is happening in county towns so do get out and support your local lights we spoke about the lights going on on Friday in Mallow and next Sunday they're going to be officially switched on in uh, Clannacilty and I know our own John Paul was uh, involved in coverage of the switching on of the Middleton Christmas lights and God knows with everything that Middleton has gone through uh, because of Storm Babette more than ever the tradespeople in the town of Middleton need your support so it was lovely and I saw it on the news as well it was lovely to see uh, the lights go on there but Martin in Formoy is wondering 
are we switching on the Christmas lights too early? He says, remember, we're still in November. We haven't, the calendar hasn't moved to December yet. Uh, he feels it's ridiculous to have them switched on too early. First week in December is plenty of time, not five weeks before Christmas Day. He also feels that it's getting earlier and earlier each uh, year. Yeah, once upon a time, the Christmas lights would never have gone on until uh, December. But you are right, it is. It has moved back uh, to November. It'll be after Halloween next uh, before uh, we know it. But actually, I was I was reading it's a survey that's out from the Tesco, I think, yeah, it was Tesco conducted uh, a survey, you know, with Christmas just around the corner. And they're asking people their views on various things. One of the things they asked Irish people, what's your favourite Christmas movie? And, you know, when you do these surveys, you have to just straight away, you know, don't even stop and think if you if I was to ask you now, what is your favourite Christmas movie of all times? What will it be? And I wasn't surprised to see that on this survey, by Tesco, the one that came out would be the one that I would go for, go for, and that's the original Home Alone, the one with Macaulay Culkin. I abs- I don't know what it is, but I absolutely love that uh, movie, and it was actually uh, came out in 1990 well over 30 years ago. So 31% of people voted Home Alone as their favourite movie. What was number two? Will Ferrell's Elf. That's a funny movie. And Love Actually. Actually, that was the one that came in uh, third. Uh, They also asked people, which Martin won't be happy about, when did they start, you know, thinking about Christmas and when did they start getting organised for Christmas? Christmas shopping starts in November for 38% of people going out and actually buying gifts. One in six at 17% leave nothing to chance. Uh, some start picking up presents in October and one in ten admitted that they began browsing in July of this year and just the hardy 19% they delay their Christmas shopping until early in uh, December. That would give me, um, my anxiety levels would go through the roof. I'm one of those organised people and need to be organised early. I couldn't wait until uh, December but that's just for me. Others love the hustle and bustle and waiting until uh, December and the Christmas build-up does seem to be starting earlier and earlier. Nearly half the population says the most wonderful time of the year really doesn't kick off in most households until they put up the Christmas tree. And even that's a contentious issue. 41% say decorating the tree is the real start of Christmas. But 41% say they don't put up the tree until December. 23 wait until the middle of December. And one in five get their tree up and in place in November. And I've already uh, spotted, uh, particularly over the last couple of nights and at the weekend, I think I started to see houses. You could see the Christmas lights starting to twinkle. And some houses are already already well bedecked. Uh, the halls of uh, Bows of Holly already uh, well up and running. And I suppose for a lot of families with the Christmas toy show um, this Friday, a lot of people put up the Christmas tree and have the house ready in time if you've got smallies in the house for the Christmas toy show. But of course, the Christmas toy show has gone earlier than what it did back in the day. It was always a programme that went out in December. But the problem was that with children sitting down to watch the toy show, some people decided then that they were going to change their list to Santa Claus. And that caused problems, obviously, for Santa Claus and some headaches for mums and dads as well. So it was one of the reasons that they pushed the toy show back towards the end of November, which gave families time if there was any consternation in the in the household but I know for some this will be the date that people will officially kick off Christmas and put up their trees but is it all too early should we be waiting is Martin in for my right or is he a bit of a bah humbug 
and that uh, people love the idea of Christmas starting as early as possible. Your thoughts welcome to 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls, text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Design Pro Automation. They're a company based in County Limerick. They're looking for an electrician. You need to have some experience with industrial, electrical and automation systems. CVs, please, to careers at designproautomation.com or call them at 86 01476680. The Travellers Rest in Cora have a vacancy for an experienced bartender. Call 87 136 0205. Oh, Footwear in Mallow. They're looking for a part time sales assistant. Now, you'll be required to work three days per week. Previous experience and some social media skills will be an advantage. CVs and a cover letter to Footwear at gmail.com. And truck drivers are wanted for multi drop rigid or Arctic deliveries. That's across Cork City and County. It's for Tria Oil products. Call Patrick on 087. 4847643. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. This year's annual report from the housing charity Threshold. It shows that the number of people contacting them for assistance continues to grow, with more than 18,000 households reaching out for help across last year to discuss how the charity is helping those people. I'm joined once again by Gareth Redmond. Good morning to you, Gareth. Good morning. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Well, the connection's much better. Today. Yeah, it's much, much better. Now, Gareth is Research and Policy Officer with Threshold. And I'd begun yesterday by pointing out that, you know, that figure of 18,000, it's an incredible cr- a figure uh, across one year. But of that 18,000, not, not all of them would have been on the brink of homelessness. Roughly how many would have been? So of that 18,000, we've identified just in excess of 12,000 of those cases uh, we deem to be at risk of homelessness. God, that's such a high, that is such a high figure when you look at the numbers of people that are already living in homeless uh, accommodation. And Gareth, are you hearing from more tenants that it's their landlords are selling up and that's the reason that they have this eviction notice? (laughs) So, yeah, so from what we found in our data from last year but and also this year is by far the largest reason for terminating a tenancy is the landlord wishes to sell the property. Uh, I, I think last year, I think uh, it was a large plurality of the notices, but now in this year, even 2023, we found that by far a majority of the notice determinations that are being issued are simply for sale. And would would some of them be what we often refer to as the accidental landlords? They just want to get out of renting. Uh, so Threshold wouldn't necessarily keep data on that, but there is a report from the Residential Tenancies Board, and uh, that, that, I think that was from 2021, and they interviewed uh, landlords, uh, small landlords, and asked them why they wish to leave. And the largest reason, I think, from the report was that they didn't want to be landlords anymore. And did you manage to help many people to hold on to their tenancy uh, last year, Gareth, with the, the people that came to Threshold for help? 
So of that, so of that twelve thousand figure that were were at risk, uh, about five thousand nine hundred about five thousand nine hundred cases of those were closed, which were successful, and only I think uh, only a few hundred of them entered homelessness and the remaining amount uh, the case continued on until twenty twenty three, and which is somewhere still ongoing. And that's the advice, isn't it, Gareth, when somebody gets that eviction notice is to get on to somebody like Threshold just to make sure that it is a legal notice. At a, at a very at a very bare minimum, the first thing would be yep, contact threshold because for a notice for a notice to be legal, there are there are certain criteria outlined in the resident residential tenancies act, and uh, a threshold advisor will be able to spot them quite quickly and would um, would then advise tenants if the notice doesn't appear to be. Uh, solid, they could take a case to the residential tenancies board, or if it was something a bit more serious, a threshold advisor could advocate or even represent the tenant in the RTB if necessary. We know the government is uh, working to try to address uh, the housing crisis, but it's at the moment, Gareth, it's simply, demand is just continuing, isn't it, to outstrip supply? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that very much uh, uh, seems to be the case. Uh, I think, uh, some of your listeners might be aware of the latest uh, DAF report that came out about a week ago. And I think it was roughly only in excess of just over a thousand uh, properties available on the market on DAF.ie. Just put that into comparison, we're nearly at a, uh, nearly 13,000 people are homeless. Just put that in comparison. Yeah, it's, it's, it is truly shocking. And, and I, I, I'm, you know, everybody's scratching their head trying to come up for what, what is a possible solu- solution. Do we need to see tenancy for a defined period of time introduced? And, and would that help? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So... 
That is actually one of the things that, uh, well, Threshold uh, advocated for in its later in our latest pre-budget submission. Uh, what we identified is uh, is something that is used in in Portugal, where essentially the it's a it's a sliding scale tax initiative, meaning that the longer the tenancy a landlord would offer, the substantially greater the tax breaks. If you offer two years, you get a small tax break. You offer fifteen years, you get a much larger tax break. And with and in the, to avail of those tax breaks, we would also uh, we would also advocate for that in those tenancies that a landlord would not be able to engage in what we call a no fault eviction return for the generous tax breaks. So it's a model that we found in Portugal that we called for in our privilege mm. uh, yeah, we need we need to look at anything that can uh, help in in the short term while the government uh, and developers are trying to build uh, these houses. And uh, Gareth, if we continue to see, and if you continue to see more and more people contacting the offices of uh, Threshold, have you plans to expand? Have you plans to hire more staff, for example, next year? Well, actually, it's funny you mention that. Is uh, we are actually just about to open a new office in Limerick, actually, in the coming weeks or months. So we are currently expanding. Okay, so well done, well done. I mean, and and there, there's always going to be a need. I think, unfortunately, while we're facing this housing crisis, Gareth, we leave it there. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Gareth uh, Redmond, who is Research and Policy Officer uh, with uh, Threshold, having one of their busiest years last year. And uh, God knows the way things are going. I imagine if we had him back next year, he'll probably be saying something similar. 0818103103. Can I take a look at some of your uh, texts uh, coming in to us? Just um, uh, John, who contacted us about his friend who had the bag of bottles and he went along to a bring centre, a bottle bank. Bottle bank was full. He left the bottles beside the bottle bank thinking he was doing the right thing, thinking that when they came to empty the bins, they'd pick up John's friend's bag and just toss the bottles in with the rest of the bottles. But instead, John's friend got a letter in the post and a fine for €125. He got a fine for littering because leaving your bag of bottles or your bag of recycling, leaving it beside the bring site is deemed uh, littering. Somebody says you should blame the council. They should be emptying their bins more often. Listen, is very, very unfair on John's uh, friend. Tess says, Patricia, John's friend was simply wrong, leaving the bottles. You simply need to go and find another recycling centre or else bring them home and go another day. It simply is wrong to leave them and it is littering. Uh, so therefore he deserved to be uh, fined. And someone else says, if bottle banks are full, Go elsewhere or please bring them home. I've seen so many bottle banks that are like tips. Uh, I regard it as as I regard it as bad as uh, littering. So it was only right, therefore, that that person was uh, fined because technically that's what they're doing. They're littering by not putting the bottles into the bottle bank, even though the bottle bank was full. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. And somebody says, Patricia, can you tell me why is there? What is the double payment on the twenty ninth of January? What is that all about? That's all to do with the cost of living lump sum payments that the government announced back in. October of uh, this year and actually this is uh, the week where hundreds of thousands of people will be receiving uh, payments. This is the first 
tranche of the cost of living support uh, payments agreed in the latest budget. This week, for example, €300 Euro fuel allowance lump sum payment that's going to be paid. There's about 409,000 households. I didn't know it was as high as that. Uh, and they'll be receiving that money this week. And I did check because we had people saying, what if you get your fuel allowance at €33 Euro a week? Everyone who gets fuel allowance will receive it by way of lump sum uh, this uh, week. And then between Wednesday and tomorrow and Friday of this week, depending on what day you get your payment, €400 will be given out in what's been called a disability support grant that gets paid to about 214,000 people. This is people with disabilities who receive the disability allowance, people who get an invalidity pension or somebody who gets a blind pension. And then on Thursday, there's another €400 lump sum payment that's going to anyone who receives the working family payment. There's about 45,000 people get that. And all Some some payments are automatically paid. If you are eligible, you will receive it. You do not to have to uh, apply. And the three uh, payments are the first of a total of nine lump sum payments that are going to be paid between this week and the end of January. It was the Social Welfare Minister Heather Humphreys who announced it and she's pointed out that the Social Welfare Package for Budget 2024 is the largest in the history of the state. So we start with three of them uh, this week. It'll be followed by six further lump sum payments over the coming weeks. It does include, for example, 400 euro carers support grant. There's also a double child benefit payment that will be on the first Tuesday of December Uh, and also in that first week of December social welfare recipients will get a Christmas bonus and then what this listener is talking about on the last week in January there will be another double payment similar to when you get your Christmas payment but it's been paid at the end of uh, January and it's just to help with the cost of uh, living. But again you don't apply for any of them. If you're eligible for it you will automatically receive it. I just spotted a text in. A listener says, Trish, it's very dangerous. There's a very dangerous pothole. It's at the Curraheen estate opposite Curraheen Lawn. It is in need of repair. It will do a lot of damage uh, to cars. So please uh, warn motorists if you're in the Curraheen estate opposite Curraheen Lawn, be careful of the pothole and can the council please do something uh, to sort that out. Now, last week on the programme, we discussed the issue of taxis and how so many people were finding it difficult to hail a taxi, especially at the very busy times of the week. Well, one local taxi driver has contacted us and may have an explanation as to why there are less taxi drivers on the road. And Kevin uh, joins me to outline more. Good morning to you. Good morning, Chris. I'm very well and you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Now, you're due to retire uh, soon, so congratulations on your retirement. It does mean, though, we'll be down another uh, driver. But you have a friend who would like to become a, a taxi a driver. A couple of friends. OK. Yeah. Tell me the problems that they the are problem having. Is, um, when you book online, they'll ask you what county. This is the and test? Just, yeah. You'll just say county clock. OK. It costs 90 euros for the test. Well, my pal is driving 20 years, one of them, and he can find any place in the city or anywhere around Mallow, any place. But they'll ask you, they asked him... Um, Nine holes is the between Cox City and Calgaline. So he'd never be walking in Cox City. He'd be, he won't be going up to bring someone down to the shop from, from Mayfield down to the shop to, to get messages or anything like he, they, it's, it's, they should ask the questions in their own area. Right, he has to find hospitals, the gas barracks, the airports, hotels, the bus stations, train, train stations, all these places, you have to find them. 
He was actually asked one question. What street um, is called Library? You no. Know, what, one question is a letter what, of the days. What, what name, name the street? Is name this... the street that Cove Library is on. Like, he, he, that's the other side of the county. Because he's, so he's he, yeah, he, he ideally, this one friend it, you're talking about would ideally like to work as a taxi driver in the Mallow area. Yeah, Mallow. But they say they don't keep you no, you just, they give it the county and they give it questions in the city. He's after the five times, another for the afternoon seven times. And he's gone once more now, and that's it. That's on the board, he said. Please don't um, say that that's 90 euro every time. Oh, yeah, 90 euro every time, yeah. Oh, that's a bit of a and sting. Yep, yeah, he was there now two weeks ago, and there were two more with him. One man came up from Limerick, because I don't think there's a place in Limerick now to do the test. And they both failed. With him, Stephen failed. You get 36 questions, and you'll get you must get 70%. Now, you got 50% the last two rounds. Um, if they asked the whole state to Mallow, he would have passed, he would have got another, he needs, um, he needs about 25 to pass. He got 18 two rounds. But the oh, questions are all around now. Like, I mean... And do the questions keep changing every time he goes in? Yeah. Oh. It could be the next time. Oh, because I was just going to say, like a taxi driver in the city wouldn't know... Uh, a housing estate in Boherboy. Ask him what street is the library. Yeah, he, he, he wouldn't know. Now, we, we got on to the NTA because obviously they're the licensing authority for for taxi drivers and there's two parts to the test. One, you've got to be familiar with the, all the regulations and I understand all that. But the second part is you need to have a good working knowledge of the county in yeah. which you uh, choose to operate. Now, unfortunately, here in Cork, we are the largest county the in largest Ireland. County, yeah. The area knowledge model makes up, you're right, 36 questions in the test. And the questions relate to the candidate's chosen county for operations. That's the entire city and county of Cork, yeah. um, where they will be picking up passengers on the street. Drivers must have passed the area knowledge test for that uh, county. Now, can I say to you, there isn't there's very few cars now, but certainly uh, every phone. We all have sat-navs. We all have sat-navs. If yeah, I everybody sat into all a... the taxi drivers in the city are using the taxi drivers in Mali use them. You'll give me your host code, P51 something, and yeah. then you'll say the door. Like, so is that, is that not factored in? No. Um, I would have, he, he asked me some of the questions, and I wouldn't have all passed Nobody said they would. Have. He said, what street is from my gather back time? I said, just go over the bridge to the under, and turn left to the on the right hand side. But he said, that's no good. He said, what street is it on? He says. Yeah. And I said, say that's where you get your PSV license. He said, it's on O'Neill and Crowley Key. So I wouldn't have a clue up us. I know myself, myself and John Paul were just talking about this today and he was he was talking about for example in uh, Bandon uh, what we would refer to anyone from Bandon would refer to the back key as the back key that's actually McSweeney key but nobody refers to it McSweeney key if no. you're fra- you were, so, so if I was directing somebody to somewhere in Mallow I would say it's on the back key but like, but with sat-navs this is just not making any no, sense uh, at I all I know one man Seven times he done it and couldn't get it. You can't get it with the the switching on next to me, but only trying to kill the bending and and. Uh, so there's no way of nope. even studying for it if they keep switching exactly the questions. Been studying for the past couple of months with the second thing, <laughs> no good. Um, like it, they asked him a lot of roads in the city. What road is connecting to this road? And pedestrianised streets and one-way streets. 
Like, he'll, he'll go up to the city and go to the airport. He could go to the airport, but his eyes are I'll see you here, so I'll see you over so you can tell me. Anyone of me get with his eyes closed, but don't ask him the street, and you would pass him one to the other. You I wouldn't know one street. And you don't, you don't need the street names to get from no. A to B if you have local knowledge. OK, you know, we got on to the NTA because I'm interested to see what are the, the pass rates. Now, this new test was introduced in July of 2009. That's how long it's in place. Now, they've given us everyone who's taken the test from 2009 to uh, 2022. So it's like over 18,000 candidates attempted the test. Now, we're interested. We wanted to know who passed and who failed. Now, they they say 68% passed first time. The average test attempts for those who passed was 2.8, no, nearly three times. 34%, okay, only 34% passed on the first attempt, 25 on the second, um, and then 68% were on, was was nearly three uh, um, uh, attempts in this year, or last year, 2021. 61% of candidates passed the test after an average of two attempts. In 2023, the driver entry test has seen record levels of interest, well that's good, with test numbers up 55%. Of the tests completed up to October, 64% of candidates have passed with an average of two attempts. So they're saying straight off that the higher number and they need... But they, but they still need more than one attempt. At ninety euro a pop, they're, yeah. they're, they're they're making money out of it. But but okay, the the reason that we started talking about this was since COVID, we have lost a huge number of taxi drivers. We need more taxi drivers. We so, lost enough for the people as well for the stickers. They're not coming out. It's all working as that night. There'd be nobody out at twelve o'clock. Just some twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock on you to be on ringing you, and you can't. People don't realise that there's only probably ten taxis in town, and and uh, they are going home at the same time. I know the NTA did a survey um, showing this was just in March of this year. Eighty percent of taxi drivers do not work after midnight. Eighty percent, and I, that was last March. I think that number's gone even higher. Well, I wouldn't like to walk in the city at night, and I wouldn't mind in my own area, but not in the city. There's just any. All these people that have free now, you don't know who you're picking up. I know 95% of my cars because I know the name on the phone. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're your regulars. Yeah. Yeah. So so what's, the, okay, let's try and come up with possible solutions. They need to do something about this test in order yeah. to allow it more people who, who want to become. Yeah. yeah. They buy it up. And then the other one that we discussed last week, the introduction of Uber. Have you an opinion on Uber as an option? Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't like to go down that road somehow. I think if they put a mom, got more taxis in to be that, huh? Like you, you people that, especially elderly people, they'll only ring the, post, the taxi they know and they walk into strange taxis. Is you know that the pensioners, especially you know, and they ring the same kind of, and they won't ring no one else. And if you're sending different people tomorrow, the same, some people don't like it. Like they just prefer the people they know. Yeah. Yeah. And is it is it a good career, Kevin? What is it? You've enjoyed it. Well, you've been ups and downs every career. You've been up and down, but um, yeah, it is tough. I, is I, it... I'd say I wouldn't. I'd love to see um, a 
to or more influence the matter get get in because there's room enough for fellas to get in like but they can't get the bloody test. Yeah, yeah. Just the, yeah, yeah. And then and then once they do if please God they do pass the test, the cost then I know the cost it is is costing to get south of the town and license everything everything is a cost like, but the first thing is just the license. If you don't get the license you can forget about it. You're, you're going nowhere. You're going nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. And are you looking like for that? are you looking forward to retirement? I don't know, will I go mad? <laughs> Which, uh, I can always come back in a couple of, I, 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 I have two years to come back, I can come have back in a while. I don't think so. All right, but something needs to be done about the test. Something yeah. needs to be done. All right, listen. Like, nine holes in the States in the city in Caligaline, he'll never be up there. Nobody's going to ring you and say, come up to Drana and take me down to Dunstalls and Bissetown. It's, it's sure lonely, like. But even if they did, give me your postcode and I'll pop it in yeah. and I'll be up to you in a few hours. Do you know what I mean? It's, but like, He'd be walking within probably in the years of 10 kilometer radius of Mala 95% of the time. Yeah, an he area that he knows. might go to the hospital sometime the other time or maybe the airport, but 95% he'd be just around Mala. Yeah. Okay, you've made very valid points. Thank you for that okay. and uh, good Thanks luck to your friend. Show. I hope he does uh, eventually pass. That's Kevin, by the way. Uh, not his real name, a taxi driver who is about to retire. So we're going to lose uh, another one. Uh, but it's, uh, but I, I think those figures that have come from the um, National Transport Authority, there is an increase in people who are going ahead to do the test, like 55% more applied to do the test last year. So people are wanting to become taxi drivers. But, you know, if you've got candidates who are passing, who are failing on repeat attempts and at 90 euro a pop, mm, there's money to be made uh, for sure. But I, I, it, um, I'm baffled as to why the area knowledge module is so important when we all have sat nav. We have more of the Get Up and Go uh, diaries and publications to give away on the programme uh, today. I'll let you know uh, when you can either text or call. So hold off on that because we had a huge reaction uh, yesterday to the Get Up and Go uh, diaries. And they're just such wonderful gifts either for yourself or to gift to uh, a loved one. And they're just full of inspirational quotes. And with everything that's going on in the world at the moment, what we need in our lives is more joy and hope and anything that can give us any kind of uh, an inspirational uh, feeling. And yesterday, I when, when I was chatting about uh, this year's editions of the diaries, I read out one particular poem and it was reflecting on if you could go back, it's sort of for, if you could go back to your childhood home and what you do and what you'd say to your mum and your dad. And I, it resonated, I have to say, it resonated with a huge, huge uh, amount of uh, people. And it was by an unknown author, even though if you Google it online, you, it, it's quite easy uh, to find. But I mentioned that in a previous Get Up and Go diary from many, many years ago, there was one particular poem that stuck out for me and that I'd laminated and I had it on my fridge. And every now and again, I'd look at it and I'd read it and reflect it. And it's just one of those lovely, lovely pieces. And I mentioned it yesterday. And somebody said, oh, you should bring it in and read it. So I did. I, t- I took it down. I have it here in my hand. It's a little, it's, as I say, it's a laminated sheet that came out from one of the Get Up and Go diaries. And this is a poem that you would, that children would really share with uh, mums. Uh, but it could be shared with a father as well. But it was originally written by a uh, an author by the name of Mary Sill. And she wrote it as far as I know from what I could gather. She wrote it with her mum in mind. But having reflected on it, I think it could be for dads uh, as well. So I decided I'm not the best poetry reader uh, in the world, but I do like this. It's a, just a very short little piece and it's called When You Thought I Wasn't Looking. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator and I wanted to paint another one. 
when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat and I thought it was good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favourite cake for me and I knew that little things are special things. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer and I believed that there was a God to talk to. When you thought I wasn't looking, I felt you, ki- I felt you kiss me goodnight and I felt loved. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes and I learnt that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared and I wanted to be everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked and I wanted to say thanks for all the things I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. I just think that's such a lovely, lovely poem. As I say, it was originally written from a son or a daughter to a mom, but it could also be used for a dad uh, as well. So it's called When You Thought I Wasn't Looking. And the author, I do have an author's name on this one, which I didn't yesterday's one was an anonymous one. Uh, that is by Mary uh, Sill. 0818 Now, I mentioned about the payments that are being given out from this week. This is the start. There's nine lump sum payments in total that are going to be given to various uh, groups of uh, people and to parents for with the, the double children's allowance and of course there's, there's, Dublin Christ, there's a Christmas bonus there's going to be a double payment made to social welfare recipients at the end of January fuel allowance has been paid out various other groups are getting money and it's the government trying to do their best to help with the cost of living crisis and that prompted somebody who says I'm a taxpayer what do I get with the cost of living? My salary hasn't increased. I've been fleeced by this government. Get me out of here. And that was from a West Cork listener. Well, we've had a reaction from a North Cork listener to say, please tell that West Cork listener giving out because he or she is a taxpayer and saying, what does he or she get? He or she needs to remember that if you're paying tax, then you're working. Some of us can't work because of illness or a disability. That West Cork listener needs to cop on. And that's coming from somebody in uh, North Cork taking a very, very different view. 0818 103 103. And actually just on, by the way, just on with people who are unemployed and um, we're waiting for more flesh to be put on the detail of uh, this. Uh, people who lose their jobs will be entitled to more than the current weekly 200 Euro. That's the full rate that you get if you're unemployed at the moment. But it is looking now like the government are going to introduce a different scale. What will happen is when you initially lose your job, you'll be paid more and then it will reduce on a sliding scale. I was reading about it yesterday. It will reduce on a sliding scale over nine months. And this is a proposal that's been brought by uh, the Social Welfare Protection Minister, uh, Heather Humphreys. I mean, what they're talking about is that initially... Uh, somebody who finds themselves suddenly unemployed would initially be paid 60% of their previous earnings or up to €450 a week. That would be for three months after they're losing uh, their job and then it would go down to 55% of your earnings to €375 per week and that would be for a further three weeks and then it would go to 50% of the earnings to a maximum of €300 for the final three months and then it would eventually go back to the regular job seekers allowance at the end of nine months €220 but of course that €220 will be going up by €12 in uh, January and this is a proposal that Heather Humphreys is bringing to the uh, government and she says that the reason she's doing it that when you find yourself unemployed 
and she wants to get a payment that is linked with the length of time you are working. You know, and she was talking about the fact that there's been a number of redundancies recently where workers who were on salaries, maybe eight, nine hundred euro a week, and suddenly they find themselves losing their job on a Friday and the following week they're on a flat rate of €220. So she wants to change that because she thinks it's a fairer system that those who have paid all their lives, who have worked all their lives, to suddenly find themselves in this position where they've lost their job and they may be between jobs where they're trying to get a new job. She feels they should get some kind of an enhanced benefit. And she's bringing forward uh, this uh, legislation and of course it will, it's already been factored in for on a pay point of uh, view because funding was already uh, um, already agreed uh, an increase uh, through uh, there's an increase in the PRSI uh, rates. There's also, by the way, she's also bringing forward a bit of good news for uh, carers. She's hoping to provide pensions for carers and I know I've asked uh, John Paul, can we get the Carers Association on? Are they coming on tomorrow? Are they coming on? No, they're coming on during the week because I want to talk to them about this. This is to provide pension for carers who've looked after loved ones for more than 20 years. What Heather Humphreys is really talking about are, it mainly applies to mothers, it can be fathers, but it's mainly mo- mothers who give up work to look after a child with severe disabilities and they go on then to look after that child right up into adulthood and it's, you know, it's a child who will need to be looked after forevermore, but they're forced to give up their work and then when they get to pension age, they suddenly discover, well, we don't have the contributions and they haven't been entitled to a state pension, so she's going to change that and I think that is really, really uh, welcome news and as I say, we will speak with the, we're hoping we've put the feelers out for the carers. Association uh, to join us. I want to talk in more detail with them about that on the programme this week. 0818 103 103. There was a text in from a listener when I was talking about water outages that were happening. Ishgair and they're having a busy day today. There's water outages in a couple of places with burst pipes and stuff and they're working on that. That prompted a text in from a listener in McCroom to say any idea on when they're going to lift the boil water notice in McCroom and just for people outside of the McCroom area a boil water notice I don't know when it actually went in place but it was due to inadequate disinfection at uh, the plant so the HSC had to get involved Ishka Aaron had to get involved and then they issued this boil water uh, notice and obviously it's to protect the health of the consumers who use the McCroom public water uh, supply we've checked the notice is still in place and I don't have the best of news because there's no date given for the lifting of that boil water notice. 0818 103 103 and I unfortunately don't have good news either for the Butterfield Bus Shelter that we were contacted about yesterday on the programme and we've been contacted before about this. If you are travelling from Butterfield to Cork City, there is a bus shelter available there. But if you're on the other side of the road and you're going in the Limerick direction, there isn't any bus shelter. And we somebody contacted us yesterday to say it was a wet and a miserable day and there was people standing out in the rain. Now you can go across the road and use the other bus shelter, but then of course you're risking life and limb running across the road to get to the uh, Limerick bus. You know, and someone was making the point that there was people with the young know, people with special needs who were trying to get to Charleville. I'm assuming people accessing St Joseph's Foundation was it, but there was people in wheelchairs as well. So anyway, we got on to a bus Aaron um, who said nothing to do with us, nothing to see here. You need to get onto the National Roads uh, Authority. It isn't to do with the council either. Got onto the National Roads Authority. Now I got a very lengthy and worthy response. That I'm not going to bring all of it to you, but they basically outline exactly what we knew that there is one bus shelter 
an accessible bus stop on one side of the road but there isn't on the other and they go on uh, to say that there's no provision for a bus shelter on the other side and they're not envisaging it as part of phase two of the bus shelter programme uh, which they're currently working on but they go in in more detail the that they did look at how much would it cost and there is a cost uh, factor they would they would have to be the relocation of some services including things like air there would be a broad cost estimated between 30,000 and 50,000 to remove utilities that would have to be removed in order to put a bus stop in place and accordingly no plans at present to provide a shelter at bus stop number 631181 Did anybody know that was it's called it's the northbound bus stop in uh, Buttervent and for the reasons outlined because there's a cost factor involved uh, as well no plans uh, to put that bus shelter in place so sorry about that uh, you can text or whatsapp us to 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county See corkcoco.ie Mallow Flower and Garden Club they're holding their Christmas gala demonstration it is on tonight at the Mallow GAA complex in Carragoon demonstrations by Geraldine McCarthy and Siobhan McInerney of EFA. it starts at 8pm admission is 15 euro and proceeds from this evening are going to support the Mallow Alzheimer Day Centre. And to this evening, Annam Cara will hold their West Cork meeting in the Fernhill House Hotel in Clonakilty. 7.15 start. All bereaved parents in the area most welcome to attend, regardless of the age of your child, the circumstances of their death. For further information, you can contact Annam Cara on 085 288888. Bingo is in Sham Valley Moor Community Centre. That's tonight, 8 o'clock. €2,950 is the jackpot. And the launch of the Bandon Historical Journal, number 40, takes place in Bandon Library tomorrow at half past three. All are welcome. And Marty Morrissey will be launching a book of photographs entitled Donnerail Memories. It's in Springford Hall this Thursday evening at half past seven. The book opens with photographs of Donnerail people and places from the 19th century, goes right up to the present day and includes people from all walks of life from town and countryside. The book, by the way, will be available to buy at the launch and then in local post offices and shops in Donnerail. Court today on C103. With Corrigan and Insurance is McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at C103.ie. Today on C103. Okay, a bit of a war of words uh, breaking out um, about the uh, payments that are being made, the first, first tranche of the cost of living support payments that was agreed in the budget and our West Cork uh, listener who signs herself this time as a hard up taxpayer from West Cork uh, is not happy to hear a, a North Cork listener telling her to cop on. The listener says people with disabilities work. There's no excuse not to work. Hey, you can even work from home now. How about doing that. Stop living on my tax and find yourself a job. There's always a good resolution and that signed a hard up taxpayer from West Cork and Teresa on the disability allowance says, well I've no doubt there are a lot of very genuine people receiving the disability allowance. I'm aware of friends of mine, says Teresa, who claim 
this allowance and really don't have a permanent disability. They're living life to the full. I think the disability allowance should be questioned. I feel these allowances should be monitored every few years. I've got one friend of mine, she's all of the entitlements, doesn't work, is able to go out for meals and drinks while I and others have to work hard. So while I accept there are genuine cases, there are some on the disability allowance who are taking advantage of the system. It will be no harm if many of them were working, as many of them would be able to work if they were only checked uh, out. And Teresa said, what about a couple? Wife, self-employed, husband, tradesman with twins, three weeks old and a 14 month. Well, that's a busy household. Trying to pay mortgage, property tax, food. They're getting absolutely zero. And John Paul said there are similar calls like that from very hard working families who are stressed. Uh, the, the only thing they will get, the only thing they will get, they will get the double children's uh, allowance payment, which is going to be paid on the first Tuesday of uh, December. But t- three-week-old twins and a 14-month-old baby. Uh, that, that's, that's, a, that's a busy, busy uh, household. On the taxi drivers, when we spoke with Kevin about the number of people that are failing the test, because they seem to be asking ridiculous questions because Cork is the whole of Cork City and County. So you can be asked a question about, you know, where is... What's the name of a particular street? It would be impossible for any taxi driver to have all of that information. So it really is potluck on the 36 questions that you get that if you're lucky enough to know the uh, answers. But that got Sean thinking and John Paul says a few others. There are a number of foreign taxi drivers in this country. All of them have passed the test. If they're passing the test, you know, how can Irish people who are trying to pass, how are so many of them uh, failing? We've got so many housing estates all over the county, it would be impossible uh, to know them all. So how come foreign taxi drivers are certainly passing when you look at the numbers of foreign taxi drivers that are working uh, today? And by the way, I saw Oliver and I think somebody yesterday as well made contact with us wondering why at C103, why we're not covering a protest that's going on in Formoy at the moment. It's uh, Abbeville House in Formoy, the proposal proposal at the moment seems to be to convert this house into a accommodation for asylum seekers. I think 56 is the number of asylum seekers they're trying to put in. And there's a lot of people in the town of Formoy are not happy because Abbeville House, I don't know if that was a B&B. Was it a guest house? Was it a guest house at one stage? It was. It's straight across the road from the town park. So if you know Formoy well, you'll, you'll know it's a busy, busy spot in the town. And a lot of local people are not happy. And they're worried. They're worried because they don't know who the people are that are going to be going in uh, to us. So we are going to be talking about it tomorrow on the programme. We haven't been avoiding it. We've just been trying to uh, organise somebody to get on. So we will be talking about that uh, tomorrow on the uh, programme. On the fines at the Bottle Bank and John, our friend who left his bottles out beside the Bottle Bank and he got fined €125. That prompted Catherine to say if there are cameras and there are cameras, that's how John's friend got caught. It's a pity, says Catherine, that the council does not send finds out to people who leave beer cans the top of beer bottles, bits of broken glass, maybe a plate or an odd cup at the bottle bank or underneath the banks. Catherine said she's witnessed people who are too lazy to pick them up when they fall out and just leave them either around the bottle bank or under. Those people need to be fined as well. Imelda in Glanmire, is it too early to put up the Christmas tree? And we were talking about the Christmas lights that are going on. Imelda said, look, it's been a tough year for so many people this year. So she feels this year more than ever 
over, we need a bit of a feel-good factor when it comes to Christmas. Imelda's already decided her tree is going up this weekend. She said her kids are all excited. She feels it's only for a few weeks at the end of the day. Let's enjoy November and December and bah humbug to everybody else who says we shouldn't be doing it. And just staying on Christmas, John was on to us to say, did everyone receive a Christmas card from Unpost? And I have to put my hand up and say, yes, I did. I got one last week and I know when Bernie was here filling for John Paul last week, she actually mentioned that her first Christmas card arrived and it happened to be a Christmas card from Unpost. So I didn't quite know what she was talking about. And a day or two later, postman delivers in an envelope, proper Christmas card, opened it up and here, lo and behold, a lovely Christmas card from Unpost. Anyway, John has got his He's not too happy about it. He's wondering why on post have spent a lot of money sending out these Christmas cards to everyone in the country. The cost of it. He said, I know it's promoting their services, but could the money not be better spent? Could the money not be given to charity? So he's not. I thought it was lovely. I didn't think of it being a waste of money. I did think it was lovely. And can I just say, when we're talking about on post, I did have an email from Angus Lafferty, who works with on post, and he was actually listening to the programme. I don't know if he was local or he was listening to it online, but he was listening into the piece that I was doing about scams and warning people about scams particularly the on-post scams with so many people having parcels delivered and there's text messages and emails flying around saying that you owe money to on-post and of course you don't and people are getting caught out and they lose uh, a lot of money. So Angus heard my piece and uh, agreed it's become an occupational hazard of online shopping for all of us unfortunately the increase in the scams but he just wants to once again point out that on-post will never seek charges or details from anyone in a manner like that, particularly by text message. He says, at on post, they have been successful in having many of these scams taken down in the past and they act as quickly as they can against fresh attempts as soon as they uh, see them. And uh, they, you know, he went on to thank us for, for spreading the, the be scam aware uh, message. And just to let people know that if you go to on post website, you can... You can see handy information there on scams. They also give examples of how to distinguish between what is a genuine text message and a a scam. So if you go to onpost.com forward slash security, that's onpost.com forward slash uh, security. And I'm just wondering, should that be onpost.ie? Even though Agus has put .com on it, I'll get John Paul to check that because I would have thought his own web, his own email address is .ie. I would have thought it would have been um, IE. But anyway, it's the OnPost website and you can forward slash security and uh, check out that they do have. I haven't seen it. I know I looked at it before. I haven't looked at it in a while, but I'll, I'll certainly take another look at it again just to, for everybody. It is .com. Thank you, John Paul. OK, so it's OnPost.com forward slash security just so you can distinguish uh, the genuine message that you might receive from a scam. 0818103103. Our lines are open. I want to hand over the text message service now to our Get Up and Go uh, diaries, please, because we have Get Up and Go diaries. We've got five more of diaries and some of the publications are different ones that we're going to give away today. So what we will do now is we'll ask people if you would like to receive one of the Get Up and Go publications or maybe there's somebody in your house that you think uh, would like to receive one of them. We need you to text Get Up and Go and you text along with your name and address, please. And you text or WhatsApp it to 0862103103. We'll leave the text message service open and the WhatsApp for a little while. And then John Paul will randomly select five people who enter today. So 0862103103. Type 
get up and go but you must put your name and address on it and in the meantime we'll take a break and I'll be back chatting with Joe Heffernan Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie Joe Heffernan joins us this afternoon good afternoon to you Joe Good afternoon, Patricia. And uh, we wanna, we're, we're definitely in the lead-in uh, to uh, Christmas, and this can be quite a stressful time for so many people. So we're going to start today uh, by talking about it. And, and firstly, I suppose, we're going to talk about financial problems that uh, people can get into. Uh, and I've already touched on this earlier in the week, or was it last week when I had the Central Bank? It was last week I had the Central Bank on. And, you know, they were offering words of advice to people about these deals that you'll see at the moment, buy now, pay later. And they sound like a great, great offer, but they've done a bit of research and it's showing that people have a tendency to buy items you don't really need when you see an offer like that. And people forget the end part of that deal, the pay later bit. It is credit and you do have to pay. And then if you get into financial difficulty in the new year. So I think we all need to reflect on what Christmas is about, I suppose, and cut our cloth to our measure. Yeah, yeah, the the little things in life that, that really matter. You read out that poem earlier there, uh, uh, something, um, things um, things I saw when you were yeah, looking. When, yeah, when you thought I wasn't looking. When yeah. you thought I wasn't yeah, looking. I yeah. thought it was lovely. Yeah. Um, well done. But the thing is that, um, yeah, like Christmas, um, I suppose a little love and affection means an awful lot more. But unfortunately... Um, uh, I was inundated now with stuff um, there about Black Friday. Mm. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know, was that last Friday or next Friday? It's actually but next Friday. It's the day, it's Friday. The day after um, Thanksgiving Day. It's next Friday. Okay, okay. So, um, you know, as you said there now, the offers and the offers and the offers, and you'd be inclined to say, gee, that's a great bargain. And um, maybe to something that you wouldn't have bothered buying at all, only for the Black Friday ads and all that. So, yeah, so we start thinking now, don't we? I mean, next week is, uh, next um, uh, Friday week is is the 1st of December. So we're right into the run-up to Christmas. And we're thinking about, who do I need a present for? Um... Uh, you know, um, uh, what about uh, that person? What about the other person? And of course, this all brings in uh, finance. I mean, the presents cost money and the other things that would be occurring around this time of year would be um, filling the tank for the heating for the house. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that our lights are on... um, from, I suppose, five o'clock in the day. Um, so those bills are all due in. And um, even an all day out, um, you know, uh, going out for a meal, meeting some family members that we wouldn't meet on the actual day, um, you know, uh, thinking about, well, I'm recently thinking a lot about health and uh, the cost of, um, you know, uh, health. 
And, um, yeah, and actually tomorrow we're doing a piece on health insurance because we're coming into the time of year for I think about a million people and I'm one of them I have to say in our household they are our health renewal notice our premiums uh, are due out a lot of people renew on the 1st of January and everyone's expecting that it's going to go up so that in itself is putting pressure on people because they think that's another bill that's going to have to be paid It is indeed It is indeed and um, um, yeah yeah, and uh, quite a lot of people unluckily have um, given up their health insurance and almost as night follows day, as sure as God, something crops up and they're faced with a, um, a, a huge um, yeah. uh, hospital bill or something in that line for something that had to be done. And um, and then there's big regrets. You'd wonder which way to go, wouldn't you? Okay, so so the message really is, you know, now is the time to kind of, you know, reality check. Don't yeah. waste money that you are, are, and certainly don't spend on credit money that you don't have at the moment because January will come very, very quickly and you could end up then with this, this huge debt that can accumulate very quickly, Joe. Absolutely. I mean, um, the uh, the old credit card bill comes in in the month of January and one, um, you know, stares at it and says, oh, my God, what have I done? Um, because uh, the temptation with the credit card is that you're not putting your hand in your pocket and you're not handing over what we'll call real cash. So um, it can get out of hand and then the, uh, what's the word, the chickens come home to roost in, mm. in January. And and it, um, we, we need to avoid that. Like, we need to think about that. We need okay. to look ahead. Yeah, and know, um, know what you're spending and can you actually afford to spend it. Just as an aside, it's kind of a funny, uh, well, it's, it's a kind of a tragedy, it's a, it's a funny story of, of uh, sorts and it, it did get sorted. I saw this at the weekend. It was a couple from Belfast. And they went over for London to London for the weekend. Is that what you, you said? Decided to go away to have, you know, a little weekend away, I suppose, before the madness of Christmas and all of that. And they were treating themselves to a wonderful five star hotel in London. And just after they arrived, they said they would go downstairs to the cocktail bar and they would have a drink just to kind yeah. of, you know, to start the weekend away. So they went down and um, Mrs. ordered her drink and the hubby ordered the drink and then the bill arrived. And there was a bit of a problem. Now, the husband legged it as soon as he saw the bill, which I thought was very manly of him. Yeah. The bill arrived and it was nearly £2,000 for two yeah. drinks. And what had happened was the cocktail that the woman in question ordered, she thought it was £18.90. But it wasn't. It was one thousand. Eight hundred and ninety yeah. pounds sterling, <laughs> yeah. And the bill was t- was nearly two thousand pounds. Now, luckily, they it was a five star hotel. They dealt with it really well, and they did waiver it. But it, God, what a cautionary tale! Uh, we, look at right. look at your bill. Look yeah. look look at what you're ordering before you yeah. say I'll, I'll have a glass of that. Apparently, it had a seventy year old whiskey in it. Um, and um, and there was some gold in it. Gold no, leaf. I thought gold wouldn't be great for your No, yeah, neither. Yeah, no. Seemingly, there's gold leaf in it, and there was uh, there was crystal. There was a very expensive type of uh, right. champagne. Okay. But yeah, and I saw yesterday. Now that we're talking about the booze, which we'll mention later, the booze that can ruin a Christmas. But I saw where uh, at an auction in London, a bottle of old whiskey went for two point five million pounds. Mr. Who, who drink that like? 
Well, I suppose it becomes a collector's item and they might get three million for it next year. I don't know. Crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. OK, yeah. now for those that do end up and maybe already are thinking I'm in a bit of financial stuck at the moment, um, you need to face up to it, don't you? You need to. You as, and as soon that, as you face up to it, the better. That, that's the main thing, is that if there's a problem, talk to the people concerned, whether it's... Um, uh, talk to the creditor, whether that's a bank or a credit union or A, B or C. Um, maybe to visit MABS about some advice. I remember um, talking with the people in MABS in Mallow some years ago, and they were absolutely excellent. Um, they had some great um, advice for people. Um, you know, I'll talk to, um, uh, what is it, a PIP um a uh, personal insolvency practitioner, I think, is the the, the is what PIP stands for. So, like, um, it's better when you act on a thing, even to make a phone call. This morning, now, I had a thing that was troubling me for well over a week, and um, I picked up the phone this morning. I made a phone call, and it looks like it's sorted. But I could have been mulling that over and thinking about it, um, for quite a while, and and it had to do with a financial thing. Um, but anyway, um, uh, I, I'm I'm delighted that um, you know I posed a few questions. I got very logical answers. Problem solved. But I did pick up the phone and make the call. So another thing I saw um, when I was talking with the Mabs people, they had a weekly spending diary, and basically what it did was. Is, uh, is worked on income and outlay. Uh, now, I remember hearing an old saying many years ago, um, uh, earning, earning a euro, spend 99 cent equals happiness. Earning 99 cent, uh, spending one euro equals trouble. So, in other words, like to make it that, um, that the income meets the outlay and that we don't get a bad fright after Christmas. Um, We've two grandchildren now, uh, one of them very far abroad, out with Ken in the Cayman Islands, and the other, uh, thankfully, in Cork City. Um, So, um, you you know, (laughs) uh, we'd be thinking, wouldn't that be nice now um, for, for the a, wouldn't yeah, that be nice yeah. for B? But it's a time of presence. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely. The, and it's um, the time you spend with them, I think, is 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 the most important. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, there's a there's a lot yeah. more I want to go through between now and Christmas, and and I can see somebody t- talking about. Um, and actually, I have an email. I sure I got in from somebody having to spend time with their in laws, and really they don't want to spend time with their in laws. That is a topic we're going to deal with again uh, in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, uh, Joe, we'll leave it there, and we'll chat to you again next Tuesday. Okay. Okay, listen, you mind yourself. Take care. That is uh, Joe Heffernan who runs a council practice in Boerbwee. His number is 086-834-8145. I need to use some time for John Paul to get our winners for our Get Up and Go uh, Diaries. Catherine, this came up yesterday again on the programme and it's come up again today. Hi Patricia, I've just received this email. Is it correct, please? It's from Revolut or is it a scam? I've now received it a few times asking me to submit your tax ID. There's no phone number to call, only chat. I have been on to them and they 
say if I don't submit it by the 13th of December I no longer be able to use my Revolut I only use it to top up or transfer small amounts of money I don't like giving out my tax ID as it covers everything I've asked other people were they asked to submit it and nobody seems to have been contacted we had a number of people yesterday that I don't know whether they're rolling it out slowly it's been it's been going on Catherine I can tell you uh, judging by calls and texts we did yesterday it's been going on since uh, May I think at Revolut and it's it's to do with um, rules governing banking and uh, central banks and all of that and uh, they have no choice but they need your, your PPS uh, number so yes it, it's not a scam Ed, it um, very much is uh, above board OK winners for our Get Up and Go uh, Diaries Bernice Staunton and Morrison's Island congratulations Bernice Ellen Murphy's in Boherbui Margaret O'Rourke is in Donnerail Noreen Cronin is in Bantry and Marianne Coughlin is in Garrettstown congratulations uh, to you you've all one for yourselves. Uh, some of the items, I'm not necessarily saying it'll be a Get Up and Go diary, but one of the editions from the Get Up and Go uh, range. And I don't know if that's it. Do we have more of those to give away? We'll have more of them uh, to give away. But they're our winners for today. And that's where I have to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow morning for Wednesday's edition of the programme at uh, 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.